Hi everyone. This is Criterion Channel Surfing and I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. Just a quick note before we begin today's show. Apologies again for getting these November episodes out so late in the month. An unexpected trip to the emergency room with a severely dislocated knee delayed the editing of this slate of episodes. So the episode you're about to hear today is more lightly edited than usual. You'll hear all of our ums and uhs, our stammers and repetitions. There are also a few changes with the expiring title lineup on the Criterion channel between the time we recorded back in mid-November and now. The Charles Burnett films have been extended once again, as have the Shirley Clark films, Portrait of Jason and Ornette Made in America. I am still really excited about all of the episodes I'm putting together from my November recording sessions. I have some great guests and the conversations were really wonderful. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed speaking with Richard, Michael, and Matt. Thanks for listening, everyone. And now, here's the show. You're listening to Criterion Channel Surfing, a podcast dedicated to the films of the Criterion Collection streaming video service, The Criterion Channel. I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. Richard Doyle, frequent guest on the Criterion Reflections podcast, joins me today to discuss November's new releases and expiring titles, and Michael Hutchins stops by to talk about films from underrepresented filmmakers. Stay with us as we start surfing the Criterion Channel. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, check out The Complete Podcast, hosted by Matthew Gasteyer and Travis Trudell, covering the filmographies of the world's most renowned directors one season at a time. The Complete is dedicated to taking chronological journeys through the most rewarding filmographies in cinema. Each season covers one director, with each episode focusing on one feature film from their catalog. The first season was dedicated to Stanley Kubrick, the second season covered Elaine May, and the third season was focused on Krzysztof Kieślowski. The current fourth season is dedicated to the films of Satoshi Kon, the director of such notable Japanese animated films as Perfect Blue, Millennium Actress, and Paprika. Find The Complete Podcast at thecompletepod.blueberry.net. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com. My guest today is Richard Doyle, frequent contributor to the Criterion Reflections podcast. Richard, you know, we've been on a couple of episodes of the Criterion Reflections podcast, and uh, I've really enjoyed our conversations, and uh, I am so excited to have you on the show today to uh, talk about uh, Criterion's new and expiring titles, and also to uh, begin talking about uh, political cinema. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you. I um, have been an avid listener, and it's great to be on. Well, before we dive in and uh, kind of talk about uh, kind of your experience with the channel, I would just love for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with your appearances on uh, David's Criterion Reflections podcast, uh, I'd love to, to give them a sense of who you are and kind of your background with film and kind of what got you into cinema and what got you into podcasting. So what are some of your back, what's some of your background with film and with the Criterion Collection? I've always been a fan of film, but my interest really intensified 
in the late nineties when I essentially mm -hmm. gave up one career and spent a couple of years, not sure what I was going to do. I um, got very, very into film and started deciding to watch all kinds of film that I'd never delved into before. A lot of foreign film and a lot of older Hollywood cinema. And I've mm. pretty much been pretty dedicated since then, like have like very detailed plans of what I'm going to watch and watch at least one or two movies a day nowadays. Mm -hmm. I became aware of the Criterion Collection in like the early 2000s, sort of when uh, I was involved in some email groups devoted to film and people were talking about Criterion Collection when it when DVD was new. And I was immediately blown away by the, not just the quality, but the diversity of their collection. Really interesting from the highest art to the most interesting sort of cult items. Mm. So I've been a fairly avid collector, uh, not a completist, but I've basically been buy, bought a lot of Criterion films. I sort of started getting involved in the Criterion Reflections podcast when David put out, you know, basically a request for anyone to volunteer. So I uh, looked through the spreadsheet he posted up and found a few films where I'm like, well, I really like that one, and I really like that one, and uh, this would be something interesting to do. So I started with him on um, the uh, Jack Nicholson film Drive, she said, and have basically been on maybe once every three or four months since, so a couple in the next last year or so. Yeah. You know, I, I have to say that when David made that call, you know, Joining in on the Criterion cast and Criterion podcasting community had been something I'd been really interested in doing, but had always been a little intimidated by. But that open call and that open invitation for people to come in and join really was so warm and inviting. And that was such a wonderful a wonderful way to bring new voices into the community, right? And uh, I felt so welcome. And uh, uh, I know... I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast today if it hadn't been for that. So yeah, I, I love doing that. And it's, you've been a really uh, welcome presence on the Criterion Reflection show. And I think you bring a really great perspective to the films that you uh, discuss with him. Well, thanks. Yes, I, I agree. It's was one of the most amazing things someone had done because I mean, podcasting always sort of feels like once you're in, then you're in, but how do you get in? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And that was yeah. such a generous thing for him to do. Yeah. It felt like such a, an incredibly wonderful invitation. So yeah, that's great. Well, let's talk a little bit about the channel. You're a, a subscriber to the Criterion channel. You're in Canada. And, um, I know that one of the big complaints in the early days of Filmstruck was that the service wasn't available in Canada and, and right out of the gate Criterion channel was available to, our, our friends to the north, but there are some differences in the ways and in, in the content that is available. And uh, I'm just curious to know what your experience has been in how you uh, access the channel and uh, the content. And when you see that list come up each month of titles and you see those double asterisks behind films uh, that limit the type of uh, the type of content that is available for you. Are you able to find those films in other places? Is it easy to access some of those films in other places uh, for you up, up there? Um, yeah, just kind of what are some of your experiences uh, on the with the channel? So I should confess I was a Filmstruck subscriber, although I used <laughs> um, a VPN to, to access it. Yes. I already had that because I also use it to access Hulu and used it to access the Criterion stuff when it was on Hulu. But it was a godsend not to have to do it because that's kind of a yeah. hassle. 
I've been a subscriber to the channel since day one, largely because of that. I'm not someone mm -hmm. who watches exclusively on there or even everything on there. I sort of have my own watching plans and use services as they meet what I'm looking for. Yeah. But I've never, you know, I drop, say, my Netflix subscription any given month, whether I'm going to use it or not. But I've always been a subscriber to Criterion Channel, basically, because I mm -hmm. want to support it, even if I'm not planning on watching anything in the near future. I'm trying to think. I know some of the more prominent like this isn't available in canada titles have largely been because they were available somewhere else in canada mm. technically the distribution rights in north america is distinct from the distribution rights in canada and north america when it comes to streaming but not when it comes to dvd maybe mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's why some of these technicalities arise I'm, I'm trying to think of, i don't think there's been anything i haven't been able to find like um the last one was like ironically, Monocle Antoine, which was largely because National Film Board still had the rights to it in Canada, so you could watch it there. And also, you can often rent those titles on iTunes. You want to pay the three ninety nine or four ninety nine for a yeah. rental. But I haven't found it to be a radically different listing. Just a few annoying titles here or there, like maybe about one or two a month, I think. Yeah, and it it seems that a lot of Canadian films are are ones that. Uh are not as easily accessible on the channel because of Canadian distribution rights. And uh, it seems that it's it's very targeted what is and what isn't available. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, that's good. I'm glad that if there is something that you're really interested in watching, that you are able to, to get to it pretty easily then. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about your film schedule or the film the film plans that you have? Uh, walk me through that a little bit. I'm very curious about this. I I have a very strict uh, film rotation that I go through as well, and so I'm always curious to know how people uh, choose to organize their viewing habits when there's so much content out there. Well, I'll tell you, one of the things I try to do is not get myself in the position of trying to figure out what I want to watch at the last minute. <laughs> Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I have plans, but I don't like being rigid with a plan to the point where I th I'm, I'm stuck thinking, well, now I'm not going to watch this movie for six months. So I tend to have a, a very large list of stuff that I'm planning on watching, and then I pick from it totally at random. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. I like the effect that that gets sometimes of of like juxtaposing films that you would never put like one day and the next day apart and happenstance is a fun sort of thing to put into it. So I basically yeah. have a very large list of stuff. That's all like, I would like to see this and I would like to see that and then make a short list at random and watch in that order. As long as it's available, you know, I, I tend to run into things where oh, I'd have to buy that. So I put it on a list of stuff that I'm going to buy at some time instead of watching on streaming. One of the good things in, has been that my wife is close to as much as a film fan as me. So we watch something mm -hmm. every night together. But I also have something mm -hmm. I always I always have a list of stuff I'm going to watch on my own, too. And that's how I generally watch about two things a day. I tend to put the uh, the more potentially questionable stuff onto my own list instead of ours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do understand that. Yesterday, my wife works uh, Saturdays and you know, we ordered some food in and we uh, decided to have a little impromptu date night and decided to watch something. My wife is in the mood for something light. So we watched one of the Joan Blondell films and then I watched something a little darker uh, <laughs> on my own. <laughs> I think there's something really, really helpful about having a rotation or having a list, having 
a a cue that you can pull from so that you aren't spending those hours scrolling through whatever streaming service you're using trying to pick the next thing to watch because I think that is maybe one of the most maddening things because you can end up wasting a good you know 30 minutes of your viewing time doing that yeah yeah i started this process back in the days of video stores when i'd find myself standing in video stores for like an hour and a half trying to pick a movie and and it's like i i'm not gonna have time to watch this by the time i get home (laughs) yeah so just make a list before i went in there and just say i have this i'm watching this that's the end of that yeah are you uh, are you tackling filmmakers? Are you tackling time periods? Is it kind of scattershot uh, genre? It's scattershot these days. I, I partly, I, I've seen quite a lot by now, so I'm I'm lar- largely sort of past the stage where I'm trying to watch a particular filmmaker or particular kinds of films. I'm generally like a large variety, so it's it's a little bit of everything. I tend to try to when I watch something put similar things or related things into my bigger list that I pick from, but I try not to concentrate on particular things. Yeah. And I do like what you said earlier about how you can find those kind of those lovely happenstances or those lovely kind of connections between films that you didn't expect to see. And I always feel like that, that happens when you're in a film festival or when you're in a, a period where you're watching a lot of films together, you, you can end up finding ways that these films rhyme or speak to each other that aren't intentional, but because you're watching these films in a short period of time, uh, your brain makes those connections. And I always find that really lovely. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks. This is great. I always love reading through your uh, Facebook reflections on what you've been watching and the way those, those films are influencing what you've, uh, what you've been thinking about and, and viewing. So that helps me, helps me know how you're, how you're picking your, your viewing and uh, that's great well Richard and I will be right back in a moment to talk about the Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of November but first I'm going to check in with Michael Hutchins for a conversation about filmmakers from underrepresented communities on the Criterion Channel so stay with us if you enjoy Criterion Channel surfing check out Drinking While Talking hosted by Jill Blake and Wade Sheeler classic film classic music, classic culture, shaken and stewed. Every episode of Drinking While Talking, Jill Blake and Wade Sheeler discuss movies and music new and old with forays into pop culture from the past, as well as wherever the spirit takes them as they get progressively more spirited. Whether they're delving into classic film, desert island picks, quizzes, games, or misguided monologues, the question will always remain, how far can they get until everything falls apart? As the editors of TheRetroSet.com, the premier clearinghouse for all things classic, you can catch their deep dives into movies, music, and lifestyle. Sober. Their hope on drinking while talking is to take the pretension out of discussing the classics as they make their way from the early 20th century through modern day by way of film, culture, politics, through the prism of their unique and personal lens. And booze. Find out more at TheRetroSet.com. I'm here with Michael Hutchins, one of our regular contributors to Criterion Channel Surfing, as well as a frequent contributor to most of the Facebook groups dedicated to the Criterion Collection. He's joining me today to talk about filmmakers from underrepresented communities on the Criterion Channel. Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Josh. Good to be here. 
So, you know, we know that Criterion has been using the Criterion channel really since its inception to expand the canon and to include the work of more black filmmakers, more female filmmakers, more LGBTQ filmmakers, and other filmmakers of color. So, you know, I thought it might be really interesting to dig into some of what that looks like on the channel. Yeah, let's 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 get into that. You know, normally at the end of our conversation, after I've given you all the numbers, we talk about, you know, what did I discover? What was something I found that I did not know before or surprised me? Mm-hmm. Well, let's start with that, okay? Because <laughs> uh, right now, I think what we need to know is that, and as you said, the Criterion Collection is now using their channel in a different, almost a different way, mm-hmm. maybe because it's so fast in order to, to get the films to the public you know, of course, we know about their physical releases, how long it's going to take, you know, the pipeline and all that. Mm. But the channel is just a, a faster outlet. It's a way for them to present their points of view, present films, you know, curate their films. And they can do it in a matter of weeks, probably. I mean, I'm not sure exactly, you know, the details of that. But it seems like looking back on how they are reacting to things that are happening in the real world, mm-hmm. they're, they're moving pretty fast. Yeah, and you know, it also allows them to make deals with distributors and to gather films by filmmakers that they don't have the rights to as well. So true. When you think about how they are bringing in these uh, previously marginalized filmmakers, people from you know communities that are pretty much underserved, you know, throughout the whole history of cinema. And yeah. then, uh, and then, uh, it's not like they're they're trying to rewrite the canon; they're actually creating a new canon, and that's and that's a, something great for all of us. Yeah, yeah, I think that's been really, really neat to see. Based on kind of what's there right now and what is um, currently on the channel, we're recording this in the middle of November, and uh, hopefully, uh, depending on kind of my editing prowess and uh, how I can get stuff out. Uh, hopefully, you know, a lot of the stuff will still be out there. But uh, what are some of the bundles that are currently out there that are representing some of these voices and some of these stories that might not get as much notice if it weren't for a service like the Criterion Channel? Uh, well, uh, to start with, there's two bundles that's been on there since uh, February and May. Mm. respectively. That's the Pioneers of African-American Cinema. That was uh, licensed from Kino. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, normally licensed from Kino, as I've been keeping a record of them, they normally last six months. Mm. And now here we are in the, uh, what is this, the 10th month of the mm-hmm. series, and it's still there. Every every piece of it, every, every, every film that was in that bundle is still there. Yeah. So obviously they've they've either relicensed it or or they have an extended license or were able to uh, keep it as much as Kino wants them to have it or they're willing to you know to license it. Yeah. Another another very important bundle that's been on there more than uh, longer than usual is the Tell Me Women Filmmakers Women Stories bundle, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm surprised that uh, that is still there. Not not surprised. I'm very happy it's still there mm. because. Uh, there's a few of them that's gone, you know, but uh, overall, uh, a vast majority of them are still playing. And are those gathered from a variety of different sources? Oh, yes. Uh, m- mainly they're American independent films. Uh, there, there are a few from, from other countries. Uh, but 
within that group, not only is it women filmmakers, you'll find LGBT uh, associated films and filmmakers. You'll find uh, stories of, of black women and their lives. It pretty much covers the gamut of almost uh, any kind of underrepresented group mm. in that in that one particular bundle by itself. Mm. That's really neat. Yeah, it's a it's a really really impressive and really important collection of films there. Yes, and the longer it stays, the better. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, something that I think is really uh, exciting about the way, especially a bundle like this, you know, the, the, the pioneers of African-American cinema bundle, which is really cool, is this great DVD and Blu-ray set that Kino put out. And it's really neat that we have all of those films streaming on the Criterion channel. But the, the Tell Me bundle is a completely new collection they're all films licensed and sourced from, from so many different places. And I love that Criterion has sourced new supplements and new interviews and, and new materials to help contextualize these films and to help give us some perspective on uh, what these works really do mean to cinema and to uh, film history. Yes. I love it too. It's just that, you know, it's nothing new. They've been doing it for 30 years. Mm-hmm. When you think yeah. about, you know, just uh, their their mission and their goals in presenting the films, it's not just saying, here's the film, you know, take it or leave it. Uh, they're always putting it in, into context. What you have now is criterion and having another outlet in that uh, anything that was restricted in the past about licensing and uh, uh, getting films from, from different sources, now uh, it's just... A, a new way of presenting their films, just like we've talked in the past about the Eclipse series, and where we were, you know, kind of upset that that kind of disappeared. But what we're seeing is they're actually it was replaced by the channel, and so that's that's why we can they're they're using the resources at their hand, and they're able to uh, to do things that they cannot do in their physical releases. Yeah, yeah. You know, what are some other notable bundles that you have? That, that really stand out to you when you look over what's currently there on the channel? Well, there's the queer sided series, actually. It's, it's mm. so far, they're about to start the third bundle. The films are on there now, but the actual uh, conversation with the programmer, Michael Koreski, is uh, going to be loaded on November 22nd. So that may be up by the time this podcast is available. But he's been presenting these series of films and conversations with other scholars and critics and this particular one is is uh, subject is queer fear, so I'm sure that uh, they'll be presenting you know some semi horror films within that bundle. But the way he looks at certain things, especially uh, films that's from the past, about how they're actually you know coded LGBT, mm-hmm. even though they may not necessarily be overt, the messages he's seeing and presenting along with his uh, scholars, scholarly friends. Uh, is showing that point of view. Yeah. 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 It's a really, it's a really, really impressive series. And I've really, really enjoyed the way that he has, has contextualized and reframed a lot of these films. I think they've been really, it's been really impressive. Oh, yes, it has. We have other bundles too. For instance, uh, it's the one that was originally curated 
by Miranda July called Joni for Jackie. And this mm. started back in the 90s where she would ask uh, just women filmmakers who, with their video cam recorders just to make movies and send them to her. And she would share them with they would share them with each other and she would put on these festivals. And uh, so they put together this package of films from that from that era. So uh, mm-hmm. that's a very important bundle. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as I look over kind of, again, some of these things, you know, you know, obviously we have things like the new Korean cinema, but uh, the one that stood out to me from October from last month was the uh, women filmmakers of the, of new world pictures, which was this great collection of just some really fascinating borderline exploitation films Mm -hmm. uh, with some really great feminist overtones to them. Well, I've only saw one of them so far, and that was the one about the nurses. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. other than that, it is an interesting bundle, just the idea. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of movies in my life, but I never knew that that many women were making films for New World Pictures, which was, you know, kind of uh, marginalized to begin with. And then having women in there making their films, it's it's just uh, remarkable to know that that was happening back in the 70s. Yeah. When uh, I talked with David Blakesley last month about the horror films of 1971, one of those films was part of that, and he just was really excited. It was it was his favorite of the the films that he covered, and uh, you know I think that it's it's really it's it's exciting to see um, what happens when people from marginalized communities get the resources and get the the funding to make things. You know you just you end up with some really, really incredible stories that buck the status quo and that, that can kind of shift your perspective, especially when you're watching these filmmakers um, who were really pioneers and were really at the forefront of their, their field. Well, in the case of the new world pictures, you'll find that a small production company like that, they don't have a lot of money. You know, the budget's probably small, but the, the filmmakers do have the freedom to make the movies they want and in that case, you know, they can take a chance yeah. with, uh, with these uh, independent writers and directors of, of smaller films. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You know, there are a couple of other ones that you've listed here, but I'd love to move on to talking about some of the directors that are currently on the the channel because there's a, there are a lot of <laughs> there are yes there are a lot of directors that they're highlighting and uh, there are a lot of directors that they're just highlighting this month as well. <laughs> Yes, a lot of these were within the last month or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the most important ones is uh, the one with Marlon Riggs. Mm. And honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to, another blind spot in my film viewing. I had heard of Tongues Untied, but it was one of those films that you hear about but never get the opportunity to see. Yeah. And here the channel is presenting it. And my goodness, it just blew me away. You know, just imagine yeah. something like that being made back in the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah, and the, and the fact that they got his entire filmography there ready for you for anyone who subscribes to the channel, it's just an extraordinary extraordinary bundle, and one that yeah. I, I recommend to everyone. Yeah, yeah, uh, he's just an incredible documentarian. That I think it, it's it's really exciting that we have this this bundle and the the inspired by bundle as well, yes. and to have um, the the contextual work as well. I, this is just this is incredible. It's just showing, you know, his influence for the past 
30 years about yeah. uh, his legacy and and what he left what he left behind and 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 the future of, of that he presented to the rest of the filmmakers that would have been considered marginalized in his time. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the other things that you're, you're, you found um, with director bundles? Uh, again, uh, let's go over some of these. These are, these are great. Oh yeah. Uh, another great bundle is Jenny Olson. Someone mm. I'd only heard of uh, from a scholarly perspective or critic. I wasn't even familiar with that. She made, made films, but she has two amazing documentaries and mm. I hesitate to call them documentaries because they're more like, uh, personal essays mm. and her and her style is so distinctive and uh, I want everyone to see the Royal Road and the Joy of Life they're just mm. um, wonderful works and there's a, a very nice interview with her that was done just this just this September and so you, you really get to know her get to know her her methods and um, her background so that's that's wonderful as we're talking about putting things into uh, context that's 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 a wonderful uh, bundle to check out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm looking at some of these as well, and you know, we've got you know Cheryl Dunye, whose uh, her films are leaving at the end of the month, uh, along with uh, Charles Burnett and Celine Siama and Dorothy Arzner and Betty Gordon. Uh, we've got a lot that are leaving at the end of the month, but then we're also getting. The uh, Sky Hopinka, the Ngoze Mwara, the Terrence Nash, the Rithi Pan. We're getting some really great things this month. We're losing some really great work as well. It's it's this this wealth of of work by by really incredible filmmakers. Yep, and I, I'll say it again for the third time. I had not even heard of Ngoze Onrua. But I, I saw the first two films in her bundle, and I'm so looking forward to the rest of them. Mm. They're they're just uh, just put her life into a perspective that, or the lives of people in, in her in her world, uh, just putting it out there. And these films were made back in the '80s as well. Yeah. So it's it's so it's not like it's not like these are just new voices. We're hearing old voices that no one's was able to actually hear yes. before. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're looking at, you know, films by, by so many of these filmmakers, you know, Cheryl Dunier was making films in the nineties. Uh, Charles Burnett has been making films since the sixties. Dorothy Arzner was making films in pre-code Hollywood. You know, these filmmakers have this legacy that has been, has been neglected by so many uh, film scholars in the mainstream. It's been overlooked. And uh, I really do love that uh, the channel is shining a light on these overlooked filmmakers. And, you know, it's, it's definitely long, long overdue recognition for many of them. Yes. And, and what we're noticing is most of the films that are being presented within the last couple of months are these limited engagements because they are mm. being they're being licensed from different sources other than those that uh, that are usually available you know readily to Criterion from Janus Films. Yeah. So so when you compare the permanent streaming library with the limited engagement library, it's it's almost uh, I won't say night and day, but there's 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 a lot of lot of area in there where uh, you really just can't compare the two. Yeah. When, when yeah. you think about when you think about representation in each of those two different bundles, 
I have a list on letterbox of each of each of those and their separate list. And just looking at them, uh, it, it, it's very easy to see. I was uh, going back to what we was talking about. What am I discovering as far as uh, the research I did for this for this conversation? And what I'm discovering is that uh, we're losing the trees because we're just looking at the forest. We need to start looking at the trees, you know. Mm. We need to start looking to the individual films and the di- different voices that are out there and not looking at, you know, the big picture. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I do love that they are securing the rights to some uh, great filmmakers in their uh, permanent collection. And, you know, my hope is that they will continue to seek out and secure more rights. Uh, oh, you yeah. Know, yes. I, I look at the the slate of films that are coming from coming out on disc in February that were just announced a few days ago. And it's a really great, great release slate. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like a direct response to that article in the New mm-hmm. York times, you know, it's just, we've got an African film. We've got, we've got two films by an Indian American director, but it's basically about marginalized people within the United States. Yeah. So, so when we're talking about, groups of films we're not really necessarily thinking about everything that is outside the u.s or any other western countries yeah. uh, these, these kind of stories are taking place within our own country and there are filmmakers out there doing it and, and yeah. criterion is seeking them out yeah you know i i do think that the the new york times article definitely it's shown a light on some of those blind spots that they do have and i think that there's definitely work for them to do in, oh, as they continue yeah. to work on this I agree. And Peter Becker, you know, he wasn't defensive. He was saying, yeah, you're right. We, were, we, we have not done a good job. But sadly, they didn't, they didn't even look at what was being offered on the Criterion channel. Everything yeah. was focused on the physical releases. You know, yeah. and, the, and the irony is that, you know, most of the, most of the viewing audiences now streaming films are not buying the disc. So, you know, I, I can see where they, uh, there can be like a, a disconnect there between, between the Criterion Collection and the Criterion Channel. Yeah, you know, and I, I I do appreciate the fact that as as they lean into the channel more, uh, and as they rely on the programmers more, that we are going to get more more bleed over into what uh, what gets codified into this canon that they uh, that they release on disc as well. Sure. And just as you said, just the looking at the slate for February that was announced just the other day, that's a clear sign that a change is coming to the physical collection as well. Yeah. No, I, you know, I do think this is great. And I, I think that we have a lot of the community of online cinephiles can be very, very myopic in the way that they, they look at things. You know, we sometimes see it in comments in Facebook groups when people are are looking for things and they they want more Bergman or they want more they want more films that are just like Kurosawa or they want more films that are just like Tarkovsky and I really do appreciate uh, the the way the channel is encouraging uh, their audience to grow and to 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 lean into the voices of filmmakers that that their audience might not normally seek out on their own that's true i mean just it's just a human nature that we like we like what we like 
you know, and so sometimes we're not going to seek out things that we may have an idea. Maybe I might not like that, you know, limit, you know, without even giving it a, giving it a chance. But that's one thing I've learned from the criterion channel is that, uh, and by trying to watch as much as I can, that, uh, there's going to be stuff out there that they're going to find for you, you know, and, you know, and there's going to be things that, that you may not even like, you know, but at least gives you an idea about uh, different, different voices coming from different parts of the world and different cultures. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, Michael, thank you so much. This is always a pleasure and I always enjoy getting to talk with you about the, the things you discover as you dig into the stats and dig into the numbers. And I think that it's uh, lovely to, to, to pull back from the numbers and to really look at what, what really is going on here with the, the channel and with what they're, what they're attempting to do. So uh, thanks for thanks for coming on today. Oh, thank you for having me, Josh. It's always great to talk to you. Yeah. Well, where can people find you online? I have a letterboxed account. You can find all of my list on there. I'm in the Facebook groups of Criterion Now and uh, the Criterion Channel Club. And so uh, that's probably where you'll find me most. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, Josh. Well, we'll be right back with more Criterion Channel Surfing as Richard and I continue our conversation by talking about November's new releases and expiring titles. Stay with us. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, check out Just the Discs, hosted by Brian Sauer. Just the Discs is a podcast about Blu-rays. In each episode, Brian Sauer will go through a stack of discs from various distributors and talk about them. Find Just the Discs wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Criterion Channel Surfing. I'm here with Richard Doyle, and we're getting ready to dive into the Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of November. Richard, so this month's list, you know, it's not quite the craziness that we had last month with the 70s horror bundle, but this is still a pretty impressive lineup here. Uh, Before I give the rundown of all the the content on the channel just what are your first overall impressions of the the titles and the the bundles that uh, we're getting this month it's it's funny when i was looking through this and trying to pick ones i wanted to highlight one of the things that jumped out at me and this is a little bit more of a personal reflection is they have some titles in here that are ones that i've been trying to watch for years (laughs) Mm. so yeah that was that was the first thing um the 30 years of the film foundation bundle is packed. Like that's, that's an amazing bundle. Yeah. And beyond the, the bundles, the thematic bundles, which we always get a lot of those. We get a lot of bundles by really, really well-known directors or writers or stars. The thing that really stood out to me was how many bundles we're getting by younger filmmakers in this, in this month. And that I always love seeing that too. I love seeing criterion, uh, try to highlight younger filmmakers and giving those those artists a bit of a higher profile than uh, than they might get because you know I think it's 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 just a really exciting thing to see those those bundles pop up here. I mean we have I think what four or five different uh, director bundles this month. I mean yeah. this is just it's it's crazy. Yeah. 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 One of the things I've always admired about Criterion is they're not like 
just a here's your film canon company. Yeah. It's more like here's the things that are really interesting to watch, even if they're even if they're not great, they're always something mm-hmm. worth looking at. And and the the mix of the mix of stuff that they've been promoting on the channel really promotes the idea that it's not just about watching like a checklist of the stuff that everyone should watch, but here are some things you should watch because you've never heard of it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let me do a quick rundown of uh, what we're getting this month. We have Frame of Mind, Psychiatry on Film with Blind Alley, Possessed, The Dark Past, The Cobweb, Autumn Leaves, The Mark, David and Lisa, Pressure Point. It goes all the way up through Bad Timing, Dress to Kill, The Ninth Configuration, and Ordinary People. We have Written by Harold Pinter with The Servant, The Pumpkin Eater, The Accident, the Go-Between, The Homecoming, Butley, The French Lieutenant's Woman, The Comfort of Strangers, The Handmaid's Tale, and then also features Harold Pinter, Art, Truth, and Politics, which was Pinter's 2005 Nobel Lecture. We have directed by Claire Denis with Chocolat, No Fear, No Die, Nanette and Bonny, Beau Travail, Towards Mathilde, 35 Shots of Rum, and White Material. We have three by Bill Forsyth with Gregory's Girl, Local Hero, and Housekeeping. We have the 30 Years of the Film Foundation, which includes the features The Broken Butterfly, Trouble in Paradise, It Happened One Night, La Tadlante, The Long Voyage Home, The Chase, The Red Shoes, The River, Moulin Rouge, The Bigamist, Ugetsu Sinso, The Big Country, Shadows, The Cloudcap Star, Primary, The Connection, Salvatore Giuliano, The Mask of the Red Death, Once Upon a Time in the West, The Night of Counting the Years, Soleo, The Matai Affair, Inciang, and Xiaowu. And it also includes the shorts The Fatal Class of Beer, Uncle Yonko, Black Panthers, The Eloquent Peasant, and Audience. Uh, that's a pretty huge bundle. I normally try to skip over some of the titles, but uh, as as you were saying, Richard, this is a huge bundle that has a lot of films that are really hard to find it's just pretty incredible there yeah we have short films by sky hopinka with wawa kunjinkaga remembers red banks kunjinkaga remembers the welcome song venite at locomer jajia prox visions of an island i'll remember you as you were not as what you'll become anti-objects or space without path or boundary Dislocation Blues, Fainting Spells When You're Lost in the Rain, and Lore. Directed by Ngozi Onwura, with the feature Welcome to the Terror Drome, and the shorts Coffee-Colored Children, The Body Beautiful, and Still I Rise, uh, along with some other shorts there. We have three by Nadav Lapid, with Policeman, The Kindergarten Teacher, and Synonyms, which is currently still uh, on the channel. We have Queer Sighted, Queer Fear, which features The Old Dark House, The Black Cat, The Seventh Victim, The Uninvited, The Picture of Dorian Gray, Diabolique, The Haunting, Daughters of Darkness, Picnic at Hanging Rock, Hellraiser, Stranger by the Lake, and Always Shine. We have the short films of W.C. Fields, which was a Criterion release that is out of print, and it includes The Pool Sharks, The Golf Specialist, The Barbershop, The Fatal Glass of Beer, and The Pharmacist. We have directed by Terence Nance with the feature The Oversimplification of Her Beauty, the shorts No Ward, Native Son, Their Fall Are All, Swimming in Your Skin Again, You and I and You, and uh, some other shorts as well. 
We have films by Rithi Pan with The Missing Picture and Exile. We have the streaming premiere of Guest of Honor. We have uh, a number of individual titles with A Dream is What You Wake Up From, Old Boyfriends, Dark Days, A Spell to Ward Off Darkness. We have the feature Werewolf plus two shorts, Stray and Four Quarters. And then we had a surprise edition of Arthur Pins The Chase as well. We have the Criterion Collection editions of The Elephant Man, Make Way for Tomorrow, Antonio Gaudi, and King of the Hill. Saturday matinees of The Canterville Ghost, Lovers and Lollipops, Swallows and Amazons, and The King and the Mockingbird. Double features of Mad Love and The Devil Doll, The Bad Seed and The Village of the Damned, Faces and Death Dream, and The Arbor and Rita and Sue and Bob too. We have the short plus features of Stand Up and Lenny, Flores and Beau Travail, Dudley and Black Mother, and Acid Rain and Victoria. And then finally, we have a new addition to the 70s horror bundle with The Tenant. So, you know, again, it's not quite as crazy as some of the things that we've had before. But as always, when I go through these lists, I keep getting surprised by titles as I get to them. There's the, you know, there's just so many things that keep getting added to this list. And it's, uh, it's always really exciting to see what we get. So Richard, help me help our listeners. Uh, what are the things that, uh, you would recommend people catch and what are some of the things that you're really excited to see on the channel? Well, looking through this list, there's a lot of things that um, are, are truly great, but I, I landed on mm-hmm. four that are films that I hadn't seen and in a couple of cases are, have been hard to find that I really mm-hmm. wanted to check out. First would be from the Queer Fear Bundle, The Picture of Dorian Gray. Mm. I have never seen that, and it feels like something mm-hmm. that I should have always have seen. I love that book, and that has a reputation for being like a great adaptation of that and one of the best horror films from the 40s. Yeah. I saw that when it was on Filmstruck just before it left. And yeah, that is an absolutely stunning film. Uh, I worked at a video store uh, just after college, and it was one that uh, a couple of people who loved classic horror kept trying to find. And it was really a hard title to get a a hold of. And um, uh, it's, it's really lovely that it is more available now. And so, yeah, I would really recommend people to catch that if they, if they haven't seen it yet. Right. Yeah. The next one that kind of really jumped out at me is the double feature of the Arbor and Rita, Sue and Bob too. Mm. The Arbor has been sort of on my radar to see since the, uh, film spotting podcast picked it as a golden brick in one in the year it came out and it's been very difficult to find without buying it so <laughs> i'm really grateful to see that and Re- rita sue and bob too is an alan clark film who's mostly known for his work on british television and this is one of the only theatrical films he made i think he only made three and this is like one of the two he made in 87 and this has been very difficult to find <laughs> So I, I'm really grateful that I love Clark's work. There's a great set of Clark's work that was released by Blue Underground early in the DVD era, but it doesn't include this. It's all TV work, plus the the theatrical version of, the, of his of his film Scum. So this one really leaped out at me. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited to see Rita, Sue, and Bob, too. I loved The Arbor. Again, that's one that I uh, that blew me away. I, I tend to be really, really hit and miss with documentaries. Yeah, I do, too. 
Yeah, and and I love I love the the way that Cleo Bernard uses actual interview footage and has the the actors lip syncing to that and it creates this really interesting dynamic where you get these kind of recreations but layered over with uh with real real voices and uh it's just it's a an incredibly mesmerizing work that uh that blew me away when i first watched it so yeah i think this is one that if people haven't had a chance to see it yet they they should definitely catch yeah my third um, in the three by Bill Forsyth set. I'm gonna say I, I love Bill Forsyth. I saw Local Hero when it was originally in the theater, and mm. I've seen almost every single film of his, and I have never watched Gregory's Girl, <laughs> hmm. which feels like a massive blind spot for me. <laughs> so that that leaps out as I really have to watch that. I think Forsyth was a phen- is like a phenomenal director of, of sort of in the Powell and Pressburger mode of, of sort of beautifully quiet and wonderful films. And uh, th- this is when I, there's no excuse for me not to have watched. <laughs> well, that's great. I haven't seen Gregory's Girl yet either. That's one that I'm, I'm looking forward to. I have the, I believe it's the indicator release of housekeeping. Yeah. And um, so I haven't, and I haven't had a chance to catch that either. My wife is a big fan of the novel. And so uh, I think that's one that we'll probably watch together as well at some point soon. I really enjoyed Local Hero quite a bit. So I think uh, this is a a really incredible bundle. Yeah, for sure. And the last one, just in the Criterion Collection editions, is I've never watched King of the Hill. I think partly because it comes from that period where Soderbergh was in a bit of what you'd call both a slump critically and commercially after Kafka wasn't, wasn't a very appreciated follow-up to sex lies and videotape not the king of the hill was ever not well received it was very well reviewed but it was very difficult to find for years and Mm -hmm. i know it's been on criterion for quite some time but it just wasn't it's sort of that it's been difficult to find for so many years that it kind of slipped my mind how much i wanted to see it and (laughs) and it's it's for sure one that i need to catch up to yeah i saw that when i was uh, going through my my first kind of watch through Soderbergh's films and uh it's one that I'm eager to revisit because it's it's one of those quieter films of Soderbergh's that I think is really easy to dismiss it it isn't as flashy as some of his later work you know when you're just beginning to study film and you get really wowed by flash uh I think it's it's easy to overlook something like this it's also, I mean, it's from a period where Soderbergh, I don't think, really knew what he wanted to do and sort of made yeah. made three or four completely different kinds of films. And, and people <laughs> have a tendency yeah. to ignore that period. Um, yeah. And this one gets missed in the in the shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, yeah. I think those are all really, really solid choices. And I think that those are those give people some really good things to look at as well if they're trying to f- pick titles out there. Yeah. You know, I'm really, really intrigued by the short films by Sky Hopinka. Okay. We haven't gotten a lot of uh, work by indigenous and Native American filmmakers. And uh, I'm always interested when we can get more more work by, by different communities, different voices out there. And uh, 
the the things that I am hearing from people who have been seeing those films is just been uh, stellar. Uh, people have really been resonating with those. And Joshua Brunstein, uh, one of the the writers over at Criterion Cast, has just seen Sky Hopinka's latest film and said it's a masterpiece and maybe one of the the best films of the year. So it's it's getting me really interested in diving into some of these short works and just kind of acquainting myself with a filmmaker that I know know nothing about. Yeah, for for certain. I, I had not heard of heard of him either. I'm really excited for the Terrence Nance bundle as well. This is a filmmaker that I keep hearing hearing his name bandied about. Uh, he was originally going to be directing the Space Jam reboot. <laughs> but uh, was pulled off of it because his uh, ideas were a little too surreal <laughs> and a little too out there for Warner Brothers, unfortunately. he's He did a, uh, a TV show for HBO that is supposedly just uh, completely out there. And I am I am always really curious about filmmakers who who kind of play with surrealism and play with, some of these these themes and ideas and and come at it from uh, really unique perspectives and uh, everything I've heard about Terrence Nance's work is kind of looking at the black experience in America and uh, and looking at it through this very surreal very um, very unique lens that uh, just sounds uh, really captivating so I'm curious to at least begin to sample some of his work and I'm glad we get such a comprehensive bundle here. You sold me it. His Space Jam ideas were too radical for Warner Brothers. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I would recommend a lot of titles out of this Queer Fear bundle for people that haven't seen them. Uh, I was definitely going to highlight the picture of Dorian Gray, so I'm glad that you have brought that up as well. For anyone that hasn't seen them, um, things like The Old Dark House, The Seventh Victim, Diabolique, uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock. I mean, this is a packed grouping of horror films that uh, are all really, really compelling. I may not be the biggest fan of Hellraiser, but it's pretty incredible that we have Hellraiser on the Criterion channel this month. And uh, this just is a, a really, a really intriguing uh look at uh, horror films through the the queer lens. And so I think this is a, a great, great grouping of, of films there. Yeah, for sure. The Black Cat is also one of the best horror films of the 30s by a, by a long shot. That's one that I have not seen that I am really eager to catch uh, that uh, has been on my list to watch for a while as well. And then, uh, you know, I have to say that pretty much every one of the Criterion Collection editions that they are putting out this month are all outstanding releases and the um the supplements are all really great as well so elephant man make way for tomorrow and then i just watched through my disc of antonio gaudi this week as well these are all really really incredible releases um uh, make way for tomorrow is one of those just gut-wrenching classic hollywood films uh, Ozu's Tokyo Story is famously based on it. Antonio Gaudi is this really captivating essay documentary about the work of Antony Gaudi. And then David Lynch's Elephant Man. Uh, this is all really good work. Plus, you know, as we've already talked about King of the Hill. I mean, these are, these are such 
great releases. And King of the Hill also includes a second feature by uh, Soderbergh. The underneath oh, yeah. is included on that disc, and I believe it's included in the bundle as well. So, you know, it's a film that Soderbergh has not completely disavowed, but because uh, he allowed it to be released on here, but it's one that he absolutely hates. But to to get that film as well and and Soderbergh's thoughts and feelings on that film. Uh, this is a this is a packed release for people that don't purchase every disc. This is a great way to really get the full Criterion disc release experience here. I kind of like the underneath. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a chance to see it yet, so that's one of the ones oh. that I that I wasn't able to get a, to look at. So I'm excited to to watch this one. Yeah, it's a remake of Crisscross. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be really a, a fun look to see how he approached it and why he feels it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, as I like to say, Criterion gives and Criterion taketh away. Uh, we are losing films and uh, I'm in the middle of trying to catch up on some of this year's Criterion releases and I'm trying to catch up on some of the 2020 film releases. So I don't know how many of these I'm going to get a chance to get to before the end of the month. So um, we're losing films that I just, uh, I'm, I'm going to be really sad to lose, but uh, we're losing a lot. We are losing, uh, from the Watching the Polls bundle, we're losing Shampoo and Election. From the Directed by Chantal Ackerman bundle, we're losing Chantal Ackerman by Chantal Ackerman. We're losing One Day Peanut Asked. From the East, South, From the Other Side, Down There, and All Mayor's Folly. From the 70s Horror Bundle, we're losing Trog, Dracula A.D. 1972, Ganja and Hess, It's Alive and Coma. We're losing the entire Directed by Betty Gordon Bundle with Michigan Avenue, I-94, The United States of America, Empty Suitcases, Anybody's Woman, Variety, and Luminous Motion. We're losing the entire Directed by Cheryl Dunier Bundle with The Watermelon Woman, The Owls, Janine, She Don't Fade, Vanilla Sex, An Untitled Portrait, The Potluck and the Passion, and Greetings from Africa. We're losing the entire Three by Greg Iraqi bundle with The Living End, Totally Fucked Up, and Mysterious Skin. From the starring Joan Crawford bundle, we're losing A Woman's Face, Mildred Pierce, and Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. We're losing the entire Two by Dorothy Arzner bundle with Working Girls and Merrily We Go to Hell. We're losing the entire pre-code Joan Blondell bundle with Blonde Crazy, Millie, Night Nurse, Union Depot, Three on a Match, Lawyer Man, Big City Blues, The Crowd Roars, Gold Diggers of 1933, Footlight Parade, Blondie Johnson, He Was Her Man, and Dames. We're losing the Directed by Celine Siama bundle with Water Lilies, Tomboy, and Girlhood. We're losing the two directed by Shirley Clark films that were that were extended, uh, Portrait of Jason, Ornette, Made in America. We're losing the final directed by Albert Brooks film, Modern Romance. We're losing from By the Book, Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights. We're losing from directed by Andrea Arnold, Red Road. We're losing the Criterion Collection edition of The Heiress. From the Saturday matinees, we're losing Spellbound, The Phantom Tollbooth, Duck Soup, Charlotte's Web, and The Count of Monte Cristo. And then uh, we're losing a lot of individual titles that were either just released on their own or were part of Double Features, part of a number of other special bundles that have since expired. 
We're Losing Alice, Museum Hours, Rumble the Indians Who Rock the World, Parting Glances, Olivia, Jojo Dancer, Your Life is Calling, Tarnation, And When I Die, I Won't Stay Dead, Lenny, Another Country, and Columbus. So yeah, we are we are definitely losing a a chunk of uh, a chunk of films this month. Richard, what are you going to catch before the films leave, or what are films that you'd think people just absolutely have to catch uh, before they leave the service? Well, this time it's sort of a blend of, the, of both uh, for me. Uh, for myself, I really want to catch some of the directed by Celine Sciamma films. I mm-hmm. like uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire was like my favorite film of last year. And I have mm. not seen any of her older films. So like any one of these three are one that I generally feel I have to catch. In the directed by Shirley Clark bundle, The Ornate Made in America, I, I've seen Portrait of Jason, which I think is just brilliant. And I have not seen mm-hmm. this one. And I love Shirley Clark and I love Ornette Coleman. So <laughs> why have I not seen this? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of a no-brainer there. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat with you. Uh, Portrait of Jason was just absolutely riveting. It was so good. And uh, I think that was the one feature that I missed in that Shirley Clark bundle that uh, I think is is just essential to catch. For the for the two that I sort of I would recommend, um, from the directed by Albert Brooks bundle, people need to see Modern Romance. I love Brooks, and I think this is close to one of my favorite films by him. It's hard mm. to say, but... It has one joke invol- involving a Michael Jackson song that I can watch over and over and over again, and it still <laughs> makes me bust out laughing. The, the timing on it mm-hmm. is exquisite. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I I, uh, I missed real life uh, before it left last month. I had caught up on most of the other ones, and uh, I do need to catch Modern Romance. It's one of the few that I haven't seen yet, and I just, in my work, in working my way through his films, I have definitely fallen in love with Albert Brooks's work. It's uh, pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love Brooks. <laughs> I'm going to change my – I had a different fourth one planned, but I think um, I have to say from the pre-code Joan Blondell bundle, absolutely mm-hmm. any of those with a very serious lean towards Gold Diggers of 1933 or Footlight Parade. Especially those pre-code musicals from the 30s are like some of the most purely condensed entertainment you'll ever find. They're just like a, an yeah. absolute delight. And um, yeah. I think she is an absolute delight too. And both of those films are, are so brilliant, you must have seen them. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't yeah. seen them, yeah. you have to see them. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Those are great recommendations. Yeah. And going back to the Celine Siama ones, I think Siama's just a, a magnificent filmmaker, and you can't go wrong with any of her films. I'm excited to see what she does next. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, for sure. Well, I am really interested and intrigued by the Betty Gordon films. I don't know much about her work, but in just looking over her career and the the type of work that she was doing, I'm always intrigued when Criterion releases a bundle that is comprised of both short films and feature films. And uh, that to me is, uh, I love getting to see that juxtaposition of uh, a filmmaker's kind of more experimental work with uh, their more narrative work. And uh, this just looks like a really intriguing collection of of films that 
I don't know much about her as a filmmaker, but I'm I'm curious to see and to dive into what she is is doing there. Um, uh, and I'm always interested in kind of just expanding my my base of filmmakers that I'm familiar with. So I think this one looks really really interesting. I'm a big fan of Andrea Arnold uh, as a director and am uh, very eager to watch Red Road. Uh, I've been sleeping on that for a while, so. Uh, with it expiring this month, that's the impetus to get on that and to watch that. I'd like to to watch more of her work. I do. I really have enjoyed her style and uh, the way she, kind of her lyricism with her camera. Uh, and I'd love to see kind of some of her earlier work. So I'm very eager to catch that one. I'll tell you, that was going to be the fourth one I was going to pick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah, there we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw that film many years ago on DVD and thought it was wonderful. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I just, I've, I've loved every film of hers that I've seen. And, uh, I just think she has a, such a unique, such a clear vision. And, uh, so getting to see early films by filmmakers that I really respect, I always find really, uh, really helpful. I'd really recommend the directed by Cheryl Dunier bundle. I really have enjoyed her work. I find the, the mix of, styles that she employs even within a given film the the pseudo documentary work that she puts in there uh, mixed in with the narrative storytelling uh to even the uh with the owls which was the most recent film on there to the meta fictional elements when she pulls back and kind of reveals a making of the making of the film. I find those really fascinating and the way she employs that to examine race and gender and uh, sexual identity and orientation. And yet all the while as she is examining these kind of weighty sociological themes, there's still a playfulness and a fun and, um, uh, whether it's the kind of 90s indie comedy in The Watermelon Woman or whether it is this kind of psychological thriller in The Owls, she's she's playing with genre in some ways that are, are really inventive and really fun. And uh, I really appreciate what she is doing and how she's doing that on very limited budgets. And uh, I think it's... Uh, the work is all very, very smart in the midst of um, the financial limitations that she's working with. So I have a lot of respect for the work that she's doing there. She's a complete blind spot for me, but that sounds fascinating. I'm gonna... Yeah. Yeah, and they're all fairly short films too. Yeah. The she has a lot of shorts on there, but uh, Watermelon Woman is if people haven't seen that, that's the one that I would really recommend. Uh, it definitely has that '90s indie vibe. Uh, people compare it to Clerks a lot, mm. uh, but I. I think it has more on its mind than that film does, but I also think that uh, it definitely has that kind of earnest acting that you get from those very low-budget films of the 90s, which, you know, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have a soft spot on it. That was, that was, uh, that was my, the beginning of my real love of cinema, right. coming to those films, right? And then my fourth, I, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do for this fourth one until last night when uh, my wife and I watched... From the Joan Blondell bundle, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on the Joan Blondell train here. We watched Blonde Crazy oh, yeah, yeah. with uh, Joan Blondell and James Cagney, and we were trying to figure out something fun to watch and 
this is not only fun and delightful and charming, I was really surprised by how well this film manages to be light and charming, but also tackles all of the the financial anxieties that were going on at the time in the depression it tackles the sexism that women were facing at that time it is such a charming such a fun such a an effervescent film and yet it also manages to have this grounding in what was really going on at the time it it's was kind of a revelation I hadn't seen much of Joan Blondell's work. I've seen a few of the other films in the bundle, like Gold Diggers and Three on a Match and Night Nurses. So I've seen some of the ones that have been in other bundles previously. But uh, this one just was so good, and uh, it blew me away. And the performances by both Blondell and Cagney are just exquisite. You can see why they were such great a great pair. And I think they both just gave... You, I mean, you you can see just the subtle, these subtle moments on both of their faces in even just these little bits. Uh, it's just it's it's an exquisite film. I have to say, it was really really charming. The '30s in general is such a gold mine. <laughs> yeah, there there's there's a there's an astonishing like quality of film back then that that doesn't seem to come in any other any other decade. In many moods, it's like my favorite decade in film. Cagney is an amazing yeah. actor. He's just so natural. Like, he doesn't feel like he's acting <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and, and he's so natural, and yet then he can also turn in that that heightened performance as well, right? You know, there's a moment where, you know, he's he gives this very natural, very uh, believable moment uh, of vulnerability and then he puts on the facade and you can see the dancer in him. You can see the Broadway star yeah, in him yeah. as he walks out the door and it's just, it's, it's lovely. And yeah, I, uh, every time I see these pre-code films, it makes me, uh, really eager to dive into even more films from the thirties. Well, there we go. These are the Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of November. Hopefully, this will give you a few films to catch and a way to navigate the deluge of uh, titles that we are getting and the the many titles that are leaving the channel. Richard, thank you so much for joining me today on this. This was really fun. Well, thank you. Uh, where can people find you online? Generally, you can find me on Facebook. I'm also on Letterboxd. My Letterboxd content seems to be a replication of my Facebook content. <laughs> <laughs> I I got into a habit years ago of just reviewing everything I've seen on Facebook. So you can tune in there for general reviews of, of any sort of film you can imagine. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. All right. You can find Criterion Channel Surfing at CriterionCast.com and our website, CinemaCocktail.com. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for Criterion Channel Surfing. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us in the Criterion Channel Club Facebook group or send us a message at CriterionChannelSurfing at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Josh Hornbeck. Our logo was designed by Doug McCambridge of the Good Times Great Movies podcast. You can see more of his design work at dpmdesigns.com. Criterion Channel Surfing is a proud member of Criterion Cast, 
a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com and support the work of CriterionCast at Patreon.com slash CriterionCast. Criterion Channel Surfing is listener-supported, so please consider donating to the show at Patreon.com slash Josh Hornbeck. For just $5 a month, you get early access to all regular and bonus episodes of the show, and for $10 a month, you'll have the chance to give my guest and I a film to discuss in a special Patreon-only bonus episode. I'd like to continue to thank all of our regular Patreon supporters. I really do appreciate all of your ongoing support. It means so much. On the next episode of Criterion Channel Surfing, Richard and I sit down to discuss political cinema. I hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com.